Jesus, we honor you and we love you. We thank you, Father, for you have taken us from a mighty clay and you have cleaned us up and lifted us up. Those of us who didn't have a name, but you have given us a name that we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus for eternity. So we love you and we honor you. God, I pray for this morning as we hear your word. May you open up our hearts. May you help us to receive and to embrace your truth this morning. Spirit of God, help us to say yes to Jesus and to follow him better. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we sit down, I want to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. We're continuing our sermon series, Loving After Betrayal, uh, Learning to Find Renewal Even After Betrayal. And we've been talking about this reality that betrayal is so close to us. It happens to us, and maybe we've been betrayed, or maybe we've betrayed other people. But one thing that we have in common is that all of us do betray God. We go back on our words. We go back on our actions. We go back on our promises or on our commitment that we have made to Jesus. But when we look to Jesus, Jesus responds to betrayal in a different way that often most of us do respond. And today we're going to be looking at this topic, forgiveness after betrayal. How many of us, by a show of hands, would say, I have received God's forgiveness? How many would say? Yeah? Awesome. Thank you very much. Hands down. How many of us would say, actually, I can remember the time somebody forgave me. Somebody forgave me. I can remember that. Yeah? All right. If not everybody. How many of us would say, we find forgiveness hard sometimes? Like, it's so hard to forgive sometimes. Yeah? All right, depending on the hurt. Uh, you know, and sometimes we think about forgiveness and you're like, oh man, why do I find it so hard? Maybe it should be easy, but I wonder if it actually was meant to be easy. Probably it was not meant to be easy. There is a, a theologian, German theologian, uh, by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was uh, kind of like a World War II martyr and a theologian, described this way talking about forgiveness. He says, if you have ever, ever really forgiven somebody, forgiven some real wrong, all forgiveness is suffering. If you say, I forgave and I didn't suffer, it wasn't really that serious a wrong. But if you have ever really truly been wronged and you have forgiven it, then you have suffered because all forgiveness is a form of suffering. All forgiveness is a form of... In fact, every single time we're going to obey God, there is some level of suffering that we go through, something that we endure, you know, as we are obeying God. And uh, this is true, more especially around forgiveness, that we're going to endure some sort of pain. So it's not meant to be just easy like that. Uh, someone else defined forgiveness as uh, giving up all hope for a better past. 
giving up all hope for a better past. This is the reality that, you know, whenever you are in connection with people, whenever you're partnered with people, whenever you're in relationships uh, with people, you develop hopes or you have, you trust that this relationship is going to go a certain direction. But when betrayal has happened, when you've been hurt in that relationship, then the dreams you created, the, the, the expectations you created around this friendship are now shattered and you are in chaos. And to forgive means that you are laying down those hopes. You are laying down the hope that you had of that past. So you let it go and that's why you forgive. Therefore, it means for us, we need to remember that Forgiveness doesn't have to be easy. But for every believer, there's an invitation when it comes to forgiveness. And the invitation is that we are going to collaborate with God when we are forgiving people. We're going to collaborate with God when we are forgiving people. Now, I wanted to mention about four misconceptions that we do embrace around uh, this you know, topic of forgiveness. I only came up with four. I know there are some smarter people here that can come up with more than four. But I only have four that I think are very crucial when it comes to this issue of forgiveness. And when you hear some of them, you'll be like, oh, I think that's true. And I agree with you, but it's just half truth. It's not the full truth. All right, so let's jump into this. Misconception number one, forgiveness is only for those who want reconciliation. Forgiveness is only for those who want reconciliation. This is actually uh, a, a misconception because we're thinking like, hey, if I don't want to reconcile with them, then I don't have to forgive them. You know, if I don't want to get back to how things were, then why should I actually forgive them? So sometimes we find ourselves, we just remove ourselves from the situation that hurt us, or maybe we just remove ourselves from the people that, you know, forg- uh, that hurt us. But forgiveness is not removing yourself from the situation that hurt you. Forgiveness is not about just separating yourself from the people that hurt you. Forgiveness is about seeing yourself through the eyes of mercy and grace. Seeing yourself through the eyes of mercy and grace. And I think every single time, every single time you find it hard to forgive, every single time you remove yourself from the people that have hurt you and you don't want to face the reality of even attempting to forgive them, every single time you do that, you do that because you're only seeing yourself through the eyes of the hurt that you experienced. That's why. That's why we don't want to forgive. That's why we don't want to jump in and have a conversation around forgiveness because we are only seeing ourselves through the eyes of the hurt that we experienced. And you're going to find it hard if you keep on replaying the tape of the words they were saying to you, the hurtful words they are saying to you, you know, we do that sometimes, don't we? Just keep replaying the tape, you know, of whatever did they did to us, or whatever wrong they did to us. We just like replaying that, the unfaithfulness, the, the stuff they say to us. If you keep replaying that over and over again and you just focus on that, of course you're going to find it hard to forgive. You will. You're going to find it hard to forgive. But we don't have to see ourselves through the eyes of the hurt we experience. Forgiveness is about seeing yourself and others through the eyes of God's mercy. Through the eyes of God's mercy. The scripture here says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. God showed you mercy. God has been merciful towards you. 
God has been merciful towards you. So then this means that forgiveness is not only for those who want reconciliation. Forgiveness is for every single person who has experienced mercy and want to experience the mercy of God. So if you desire to experience God's mercy, if you have experienced God's mercy, it doesn't matter whether you're going to reconcile with them or not, but it is on you to forgive. Because forgiveness is for those that have embraced the truth that I can see myself through the eyes of God's mercy. So that's the first misconception, thinking that forgiveness is only for those who want reconciliation. Misconception number two, forgiveness is only good for me, or forgiveness is only good for you. Now, first of all, I must say, there is actually some truth in this. You know, there are studies that have been made about this concept, this topic of forgiveness. Studies that have shown of people that carry unforgiveness to the point that they developed an ulcer. You know, people can develop an ulcer because of holding unforgiveness in them. Like you can be physically sick. Unforgiveness will affect you emotionally, will affect you mentally, will affect you physically. So of course it is good for you to forgive because it's going to be good for you. But our motivation to forgive shouldn't only be about helping us feel better. Shouldn't only be about forgiveness helping me feel good and not to suffer physically, mentally, or emotionally. But we need to embrace the, the whole truth that forgiveness is good for me, but also forgiveness is good for the person who hurt me. Forgiveness is good for you, but also it is good for the people who wronged you. And this is God's idea of forgiveness. That whenever God looks at forgiveness, he's looking out for you, but also he's looking out for the people that hurt you. And I must say that sometimes I worry that we can begin to treat people. You know, when it comes to forgiveness, sometimes you can just be like, I'm going to forgive them because it's good for me. And I think sometimes we even tell people like, come on, he's a jerk. Don't mind him. They don't have to take up your time. Just come on. Don't even... Don't even think about them. Just forgive and move on, you know. That way actually dismisses people. We don't see people for people. But those people, they were made in the image of God. God wants us to forgive in a way that we're going to have the concern even for the other person. Even for the other person. Tim Keller, uh, who a couple of days ago had his memorial service because uh, uh, Tim Keller died a few weeks ago, and he said this around this issue of forgiveness. He said, the basis of our forgiveness should be centered on the concern of the community. The basis of our forgiveness should be centered on the concern of the community. This means when we forgive people, it's good for us, it's good for the hurt person, but also it's good for our community. Because when we forgive people, you know, essentially what we are saying is like, I wish you to be better, and I wish you to behave better than you are right now. And this is going to be good, not only for me, but it's going to be good for the community. You know, and when I think about this issue of forgiveness, sometimes, or maybe more so this week, I've been thinking, what is my biggest win? What is my biggest win when I forgive a person? Yeah, I get it, it's good for me, but what is, what is actually the biggest win? What, what is the win, you know? And when we are reading scriptures, we are so encouraged every single time about vengeance, that God says, hey, leave vengeance to me. I'm going to avenge on your behalf. 
Do not repay evil for evil. If somebody does evil to you, do good towards them. That's what God says. So leave the vengeance. I'm going to handle the vengeance. And there's a part of me that says, okay, God, I'm leaving them in your hands now. Can you please deal with them? And when I'm thinking about God dealing with them, I'm thinking about him inflicting the pain I would have inflicted, if not even more. After all, he's God, you know. I'm like, come on, like, you know, do more, God. Let them feel it a bit more. You know, so sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to hand you over to God. But you know what? What I forget is that is the kind of God that I'm dealing with. The kind of God that I'm dealing with is a merciful God. The kind of God that I'm dealing with is a loving God. The kind of God that I'm dealing with is a kind and patient God. Whenever I forgive someone else, I'm exposing them into the arms of the loving God. Whenever I forgive someone else, I'm exposing them to a kind God. And I think my biggest win, your biggest win, our biggest win when it comes to forgiving people is that the people who have hurt us, they would experience God's mercy. They would experience God's grace. That's our biggest win. It's not that they should be hurt even more. It's not that they should experience suffering even more because they hurt us. It's that they should experience God's mercy. That is our biggest win. And Paul here. When he, when he talks about us clothing with kindness and love and patience because he knows that kindness is what leads people to repentance. So this could be a misconception that forgiveness is only good for me. But no, it's also good for the other person and for the community. Misconception number three, forgiveness only happens when the person changes. Forgiveness only happens when the person changes. This is not true because the problem with this statement is that it makes forgiveness conditional. But Paul says, forgive us, the Lord forgave you. The Lord never forgave us because we changed. It is actually through his forgiveness that we changed. The Lord never forgave us because we got our life together. The Lord forgave us and it was through his forgiveness that you and I are on a journey of becoming better and better and better every single day. So, you know, we need to embrace the reality that actually we need to make a decision to forgive even before the person changes. Even if they want to change, that we still want to forgive them. And I think the reason why we find it hard to forgive before people changes is because we carry on the responsibility of forgiving on our own shoulders. So we say, it's only me that has to do this. But actually, we forget the most important aspect of forgiveness is the vertical aspect of forgiveness. Like you cannot leave God outside of the equation of forgiveness. He needs to be in the center. He needs to be in it. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That means the work of forgiveness is now a collaboration with God. We collaborate with God. That God has forgiven us, therefore we forgive other people. At the same time, God is forgiving other people. So we're going to collaborate with him as he's forgiving other people, including even the ones that hurt us. So the basis of your forgiveness is not, on, is not dependent on the fact that you are a forgiving person. Some of us are, oh, they, I'm just good at forgiving. The basis of your forgiveness is, is not dependent on your capacity to forgive. The basis of your forgiveness is not dependent on the reality that you find it easy to forgive. The basis of your forgiveness is not based on what you can do. 
But the basis of our forgiveness is based on what Christ has done for us and what Jesus has done for us. So therefore, we're going to collaborate with God as we forgive people. We forgive people not because we want to be forgiven, but because we have been forgiven, therefore we're going to forgive other people. So we don't have to wait for people to change. Where do we take this? We see Jesus. You know, Jesus is about to die on the cross. And before he dies, he prays a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. Do you think in that moment people stop and be like, oh, he just prayed for us. Let's stop offending him. Let's stop throwing insults at him. No, they continued. They continued to mock him. This tells us about Jesus that even in the middle of the offense, Jesus decides to forgive. In the, right in the middle, right in the middle of the offense, he decides to forgive. So our choice to forgive shouldn't depend on whether people will change or not. But our choice to forgive must depend on our willingness to collaborate with God as he forgives us and forgives other people. Amen. All right, final misconception. Forgiving is, is letting someone off the hook. Now, there is some truth to this that forgiveness is letting someone off the hook of our anger, you know, off the hook of our condemnation, you know, off the hook of our unforgiveness. We're going to let them off in that way. But sometimes we can say this statement meaning like, if I forgive, they're just going to get away with it. They're just going to get away with it. So should I really forgive them? Do you really just want them to get away with this? That's weakness and not strength. Because we can easily think that forgiveness is devoid of accountability, but it's not actually. In fact, I think we must demand forgiveness even from those, not demand rather, we must demand accountability even from those who have hurt us. Because the people that hurt you or when you hurt someone else, you didn't just hurt them. You didn't just betray them, but you also have sinned against them. When somebody hurt you, they didn't just hurt you, but they have sinned against you. And the reason why you're going to demand accountability from that person is because it's not good for people to keep sinning against you. It's not good for their soul. At the same time, it's not good for you, for people to keep on sinning against you. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for you. So then Paul calls us to respond to this passage in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. Paul wants us to live a life that's motivated by forgiveness. We need to live forgiving lives, lives that have been forgiven. Because we've been forgiven, therefore we're going to live forgiving lives. And he wants us to practice this. And for us to practice this, he wants us to remind ourselves of a couple of things. And one I just mentioned two this morning. Number one, for you to embrace a life of forgiveness, remember who you are and who you are becoming. Remember who you are and who you are becoming. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with this. Because you are God's Chosen people. What Paul is saying in this passage is that the, our forgiveness should stem from who we are and who are we becoming in Jesus, who we are becoming in Christ, that we can remember who we are. So he says, 
You are God's chosen people. You are God's chosen people. You must remember that you are God's choice. You know, the people who wronged you, maybe that hurt made you feel like God does not pay attention to you. Made you feel that there's nothing special in me. That God does not see me as somebody who is chosen. The hurt can make you feel that way. But you're not defined by your wounds. You're not defined by your hurts. Your hurts and wounds can explain your situation, but they don't define you. What defines you, what God says. God says to you, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. That means that God counts, you, counts on you. You are chosen. I want to bring you my kingdom. I've chosen you. He also says, you are holy. You are holy. You know, the hurt might make you feel like you don't matter. The betrayal that you've experienced might make you feel like because I was not chosen, someone else was. So therefore, God does not choose me. Therefore, God does not call me to be holy. But you are holy. And you know what holy means? Holy means to be set apart. And you're not just set apart to be just set apart. You're actually set apart for a purpose. God says, you are useful in my kingdom. So I'm going to set you apart. You are holy. You're useful to God and for his purposes. And then he says, you are dearly loved. You are dearly loved. The wound that you experience might make you feel as though you are forgotten. But you are dearly loved. And you know the people that struggle with this truth that they're dearly loved are the people that have been betrayed. The people that have been hurt struggle with embracing this reality that I am loved and I'm dearly loved. But you are dearly loved. And because of Jesus, because of Christ, you and I, brothers and sisters, are people who belong to God. You and I, brothers and sisters, are people who have been chosen by God, people who have been set apart by God, people who are dearly loved by God. Dearly loved by God. Let's do this charismatic style. Just say, I'm dearly loved by God. I am chosen by God. I am set apart by God. I belong to God. This means our identity in Christ influences our desire to forgive other people. Because in Jesus now, you begin to realize what you have received. What have you received? You have received compassion. You have received kindness. You have received gentleness and patience. And this is why Paul's encouragement is clothe yourselves with these things. Clothe yourself with these things. And it is important, more especially when it comes to this reality of forgiveness. Because here's what you're going to find. When you're living a forgiving life, when you're living a life that's full of compassion and kindness, you're going to realize that it is what leads to a life change in people's life. It's not condemnation, but it's actually compassion. You're going to find that what leads life change is not like to fix people quickly, but to actually be patient. You're going to realize that for someone else to experience life change, it's not that we keep on condemning them, but that they experience gentleness and kindness. And that's actually, if not, one of the reasons why we are attracted to Jesus is because Jesus does not condemn us. It's because Jesus shows us kindness. He shows us compassion. 
He shows us grace. That's why we're actually attracted to Jesus. And some of you have seen it in your own lives. Like you, you kept on loving somebody and their life changed through that, through that love. Or maybe it's you. Now, I must give a warning here. There will be times when you're going to love people and they will not change. There will be times when you're going to be kind to someone else and they will not change. There will be times when you're going to show compassion to people and maybe they will even take advantage of your compassion. There will be times like that. But you have to keep going anyway. You have to still be kind anyway. You still need to be patient anyway. Why is that important? It is important because if you don't do these things, you're going to do the opposite. What's the opposite? The opposite is based on, on this reality that loving people changes people. And if loving people changes people, hurting people changes them too. Love will change people and wounding them is going to change too. When we love people, they, they get better. They change into something that's better. But when we hurt them, they become something that's worse. The reason why the scriptures call us to live in community or to be a part of family, to be a part of a community, is because in there, there is an invitation. And the invitation is, when you call somebody else to come to be a part of your life, as a believer, you are saying, I'm inviting you on my journey as I'm becoming like Jesus. When we are part of a community, we are saying yes to each other. We are saying, be a part of my journey as I'm becoming like Jesus. So when I love you, when you love me, what that means is that we are helping each other grow to become more like Jesus. And that journey is better. But when we hurt each other, when we betray each other, we become a frustration on our journey to becoming like Jesus. And this is why we need to see what do we desire the community of God to be. If you want to be a part of a loving community, then love people more. If you want to be a part of a generous community, then be generous. If you want to be a part of a compassionate community, then be compassionate. Because what's going to happen is as you are clothing yourself with mercy and kindness and compassion, what's going to happen is that you're going to be helping other people grow in their walk with the Lord. That means when you are doing the opposite, you are becoming a frustration to, pe to people's walks as they are becoming more like Jesus. There are some of you, God gave you great people, but you kept sinning against them. You kept hurting them. And now you have created monsters around you. Now they don't want to work for you anymore. Some of you, God gave you a kind and compassionate spouse. But you kept cheating on them. And now they're unavailable. Now they're showing you signs as though they're unkind. You've made that person. Some of you, God gave you amazing people, but you kept being unkind, and now they've become a burden to you. When we're going to hurt people, they will change into something that we're not like. And there are some of you that know this. You used to be trusting, but you no longer do anymore. 
you find trusting heart. Some of you know this. You used to love church, but you got hurt by the church. And you had the idea of going to church. If we're going to love people, they will change into something that God desires the most for them. But if we hurt them, they will turn into something that we're not going to like. So therefore, the invitation, the invitation is the same for those that have been hurt. That even though you've been hurt, your response shouldn't be that I'm going to head back. The response shouldn't be that I'm hurt back. The response should be to clothe yourself with kindness, with compassion, with gentleness, with patience. Because if you don't clothe yourselves with those things, you're going to respond to the hurt in ways that you're not going to be proud of. You're going to become something that you're not proud of. So even though you've been hurt, your response should still be to clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. Our actions might be getting people closer to Jesus or pushing people away from Jesus. The message to the betrayer is that I think we shouldn't just repent because we caused hurt, but we should also, response, we should also re, uh, repent because we have turned people into something that they are not proud of, even they themselves. So we come looking for God's mercy and kindness. And our hope for the hurt and our hope for the ones that have caused hurt is in Jesus. You're not defined by your hurt if you've been betrayed. If you've been wronged, you're not defined by your hurt. You're loved by Jesus. If you have hurt other people, you're not defined by your mistakes. You are loved by Jesus and Jesus welcomes you. So Paul says we need to remember who we are and who we are becoming. And the second thing he says, if we're going to embrace lives uh, that will live in forgiveness is to remember who we are. Uh, rather, is to remember that you are a human being who is receiving God's mercy. You are a human being who is receiving God's mercy. Verse 13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. Bear with each other and forgive one another. You know, to bear means to endure or to put up with. You know, and one way that we put up with people is through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. And in forgiveness, you know, you, for you to bear with someone, you also need to embrace your humanness. Embracing your humanness says, I am human. I could also do the same mistakes that they have done. So therefore, I'm going to forgive them. Embracing your humanness says, you know what? It could be possible that this person has hurt me from a place of hurt. That they are carrying a wound to themselves. That's why they are wounding me. And having said that, because I'm talking to a lot of young people here. Young people, bear with your parents. Bear with your parents. You know, most of us probably were raised with parents, more, more, mainly dads, who were not available you know, for us. Dads were unavailable. Dads were like, we can't even remember a conversation we actually had, a proper chat with them. And also we are living in times when you know, the, the inadequacies of parenting are being more highlighted to us, you know? And I think the problem is that a lot of young people, whenever these, you know, inadequacies are being highlighted to them, they are taking 
taking them on as the hurts they've experienced. But just because something has been highlighted to you, you shouldn't carry it on as a hurt. You know, I can say for my father, so I lost my dad in the year 2001, but I could not really remember the conversation. I could not even remember him being present. But I'm thinking if I was going to talk to my dad today, you know what my dad would tell me? He would say, I was breaking my back for you. My dad would tell me, I would stay at lunch without eating so I can serve you. Now, could he have done better? Of course. But I don't know what hurts he was carrying. Probably he can tell me that I parented you better than my dad parented me. And you know what? People are going to do the best that they can with the information they have then. And I think if we can look, if we can see our parents through the, their humanness, probably we can bear with them and be kind towards them. Forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. As the Lord forgave you. The people who have hurt other people find it hard to forgive themselves. If you have hurt someone else, you know this feeling, that you find it hard to forgive yourself. But the Lord has forgiven you. And I think sometimes we find it hard to forgive ourselves because we have not embraced the full gospel. Our, us being forgiven is not dependent on, on how good we've been, but on how good God has been. I have a lot to talk about on this topic, but I want to end it here. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? <clears throat> Some of you already know what hurts you're carrying and that God is calling you to forgive your hurt. Some of you already know the wrongs that you have done and God is calling you to ask for forgiveness for that wrong that you're carrying. When we forgive, we need to pay attention to the doors that the wound brought in into our lives. That this wounding opened up a door of lies. There are lies we have believed about God, about ourselves, or about people that we need to forgive. There are fears that have come in in our lives because of the hurt we experience that probably we need to forgive. There are insecurities that have come in in our lives because of the hurt we experience that we need to forgive. So I'm going to ask you to take a moment. I'm going to ask you to write two things. You're going to finish the statement, Lord, forgive me for. Just consider what that is that you want God to forgive you for. Maybe you betrayed other people. Maybe you didn't make a priority the people that should have made a priority in your life. God, forgive me for whatever it is. And then the second statement you're going to say is, Lord, I forgive the hurt of. Maybe I forgive the hurt of betrayal, the hurt of being shamed, the hurt of, of being abandoned, of, not, of being made feeling in, not enough. Whatever it is that hurt, that you can bring it to God. God, 
May you help us as we come to you that would experience your forgiveness deeply today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now we're going to give you slips of paper that we wanted to write these things as our team is moving around, giving you slips of paper. And on these slips of paper, you're going to write these finished thoughts, two lines. Lord, forgive me for whatever it is. Lord, I forgive the hurt of whatever it is you write it. Don't write your name. Don't write the names of the people that you hurt or that hurt you. And once you do that, I want you, as we'll be singing, I want you to stand after you have written. The paper you have received has uh, double-sided tape. So you kind of remove the back side of it and then go and put it on the cross. We have crosses. We have four crosses in this room on the sides and one cross outside. I want you to walk over there and just stick it on the cross as a sign of saying, I'm surrendering this to Jesus. And when you come back to your seat, just, just remain standing because our worship team will be leading us in a worship song. So once you receive it, once you're done writing, just walk over and put it on the cross. Take your time.